Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jamie Wagner. I'm hoping this finds you all very well. We're continuing our dive into looking at some resources that might help us dig into our own personal journeys, right? And not just dig, but to commit, I think is is really a better word. I I find myself struggling to do that, even when I'm on a podcast telling you that I'm working on doing that. Right? Uh, the last couple of weeks have been both really good and really challenging um, in terms of, of getting back into a routine that I'm excited about that's uh, fruitful, producing good work. And, you know, I, I've heard a little bit of feedback from some of you that, hey, yeah, this is when I'm at my best. This is when I'm doing the best quality work I produce is when I have these sort of connections to meaningful consistency in my life. I didn't use this phrasing in the last episode or in the first one on routine. And I mentioned the book twice, right? Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit. He talks about keystone habits. And when I was alluding to in the last episode, these these things that when we do one of them, they really kind of translate out into the rest of our lives. What with these idea of this idea of keystone habits, that's what he means, right? That, that we have an anchoring habit that when we build it into our life, it then can't help but kind of radiate out and have some synergy to it. And, and to me, that is the morning routine. And then there are little routines inside of that, that, that kind of spring out of the morning routine, writing, reading, being physically active, um, kind of taking care of my spiritual and emotional well-being. And that really is what this series is about, right? Figure out a routine that works for you and then pull together a, a set of behaviors around that one habit or that one discipline that creates meaningful, consistent change for us. I, I saw this recently and I was just reminded of it because I, I feel like Again, we don't need to be taught. We need to be reminded that the brain is a consistency-seeking machine. It wants predictability. Right? That goes back to kind of Daniel Kahneman's thinking fast and slow. He talks about how when our brain is working really, really well, the subconscious part has predictability. Right? What does that mean? It means that we have a set of behaviors that our body can guess at, our mind can guess at, and then it frees up the rest of our conscious thought for creative work, for meaningful work, for purpose-driven work. Right? And so when we aren't under threat, we aren't in inconsistent places, when we have these keystone habits in place, we've really just freed our mind to generate more productive, consistent quality 
work when we're when we're in the conscious realm. And so when we're when we're thinking slowly, we benefit from the fast part of our brain being dialed in, being comfortable in some ways, right? Not dealing with threat, not dealing with challenge in a way that's going to stress out our brain. And we get these recruitment pathways that go to work for us. Um, and so I would just encourage you, what is that for you, right? I think the big ones that he mentions are reading, writing, activity, um, you know, some sort of spiritual practice. Like, you know, I think for us at the beginning, one of the major change points in in my life I've talked about is is the debt journey that we've been on. But the budget was just a huge sort of keystone habit for us. We knew when it was going to happen. It provided consistency in a place where I hadn't had much in my life, that financial journey. And so, again, I've said this a few times through this series, but what is it for you that is going to trigger meaningful action? With that being said, let's dig in to today's focus its topic right we did the head and the resources that have really been useful for me to think about how my thinking needs to influence my behavior today we're talking about the hands right and what i mean by that is our body taking care of our body in the way that we want to right and i don't just mean this in a physical fitness sort of way so if you hear that and you're going man you guys talk to a lot of coaches yet you We've gotten a lot of resources and a lot of information here. Yeah, that might be true, but I don't just mean it in a physical fitness sort of way. That is one avenue where we need to take care of our body. I think there are also a minimum, minimum, two more that I want to focus on today. I think one is like a creative pursuit, whether that be art or music or production, right? There's a generative side to our body um, and that that creativity generating something, producing something is really, really valuable. And then the, like the restorative side would be the physical fitness side. I think there's a place where, you know, there's certainly overlap in that where we're producing and restoring. For me, the place that I've found that to be super valuable is in a book that I alluded to, um, in the first episode of this series was Matthew Crawford's shop class as soul craft. And what he talks about is how working with our hands actually connects us to kind of a, a physical, emotional, spiritual, mental sort of peace that we get because there's a, there's a meditative aspect to it where when we are generating, when we are producing with our hands, like physically with our hands, whether that be digging in the dirt and gardening or, you know, what he talks about shop classes, soul craft, and what he's really talking about, he's, he deals with mechanical stuff. So it's like small engines, uh, metal works, right? It could be wood and construction. It could be woodworking, right? Where you're producing, some sort of, um, you know, cabinetry or finery for mass production or for Etsy or something like that. These are all places where we can get into the kind of these meditative states, this, this mind body connection where the repetition itself of that physical action with our body creates peace, creates some soul craft, right? Some, some soul building. I'm going to tell you this, this is not my natural instinct in any way. I was not um, in a family that 
was like woodworking. Let's do that. Not in a family where mechanical stuff was, was consistent. Yeah. I, I grew up around some of it, um, you know, with my babysitter it's, and they were, it was there, but my natural inclination physically was sport. Right. And so I get outside and I'd run and that would be restorative. I get outside and I'd play a sport and compete and that would be restorative. But I found later in life, this, uh, these opportunities to work with my hands and really to stand out. And I, I just want to say thank you to Nate Novak and Tim Just and like you guys letting me come and work at Bill Sportsman in Aiken, Minnesota and work on small engines, right? Boat motors, actually. I knew nothing, right? Like, and I was super self-conscious about it, really worried that I wasn't going to be capable of doing this thing. And over the course of, you know, one summer in particular, but over the course of a couple of summers, I got this opportunity to, to go back there a few times and just like how, yes, I had to be retaught and I had to relearn at different times, but how specifically like working with your hands and how unconscious that can become, how just automatic it can be to turn a wrench or to, you know, uh, like recently building the basement, right? Just make a cut with a saw or, um, you know, screw something in like these, these tools, this, this like connection from a tool to an apparatus and then to actually make something come of it. Not only is it meditative, it's productive, it's generative, and it's, it's just healthy. And so I would, I would challenge you again to think about maybe you don't feel comfortable doing those things. I didn't either. It is not my inclination. My, my worst grade as a high school student was in shop class, right? And that was wood shop. And, as a, like, and I was even less inclined to do metals or small engines or things like that. I just felt like I was going to break something or wreck something. Right. And now it's something that is, is really restorative in a way, like just getting down and working with my hands the other day, my father-in-law asked me out to help change some things on their, on the chisel plow, right. Really just using a, a impact wrench, taking off bolts, putting on new things like two and a half, three hours of just focused work and attention. I think that's what it is, right? If I were to reflect on it, I don't know the science behind it. And I, and I haven't done enough work in terms of the way that I, that I dissect mental skill development, but to me, it's just like incredible focus and incredible presence, right? Because you, you really can't focus on other things. Yeah. Your mind will wander a little bit, but it has to be drawn back to the present. And so, um, you know, I think the book that I mentioned shop class is soul craft just really connects to that. It helps us understand why that's so valuable and, and makes a push for, for more technical skill, um, being valued societally for that reason. Right. And so that that's the first one. You know, like I mentioned recently undertaken this, this basement renal model project has been another challenge that I would have never thought I was capable of. Take these things on, learn, grow, push yourself. I, I recently saw a quote from George Raveling, who um, has kind of been a coach to 
everyone. It feels like in, in basketball, but also just in life. He says, growth is a basic human need. If you aren't growing somewhere, aren't challenging yourself to learn and get better at something and probably a new something, I, I, like I, I think that that's important. It reminds us to put on that white belt again, right? In karate and martial arts, white belt means beginner. Be a beginner sometimes. I think we, we, me, I'm not, again, every time I'm pointing a finger out at, at any of you, it's mostly talking to myself. It's reflecting in the mirror. It's like my instinct is just to do what I'm good at and to avoid taking on new challenges. And as I've grown as a person and, and in life, I think the new challenges have been the most fruitful in some ways. Not to say that the routine stuff and the things that we're I'm trying to encourage you towards aren't vital because they are. They're going to be the the heartbeat of this process. And if you don't have some of these things in place, taking on those new challenges is going to be high stress, high frustration, and you're not going to stay in the fight, right? Run to the fight, stay in the fight, finish is what I talked about, is what prompted some of this idea. Like running to the fight is easy when it's new. Finishing might be easy because we actually hand it off to allow someone else to finish when we don't stay in the fight. Stay in the fight by, by creating a baseline for yourself. Keep doing it. Keep going. Take another step. Really, really vital. Super important. In the creative space, right? So there's the, there's the generative space that, that I really break down into two processes, right? There's the mental generation, creative, art, music, right? Where it, where it has some some more potential for just out of your head onto the page, out of your head onto an instrument, like where that's a direct mind-body connection. I think that's one area. The second is that that physical space where it's actually like there's a manual. It people can show you how it's done and you can just go do it. And then that repetition grows the skill and that, that technical skill is, is another way to use your hands and move your body in such a way that it, that it connects the whole of you, head, hands, and heart. When it comes to that creative piece, the actual generation of ideas and then getting them out into the world, there's so much, so much really good stuff in this. And, and this is, it's hard because I, I, my output is writing. And so I would think, you know, if you haven't read Anne Lamont's Bird by Bird, it's just an unbelievable breakdown of what process actually needs to look like. Um, disclaimer, there's some language in there. She's funny. She's witty, a little bit crass, right? Um, but I love it. Like there, it's a, a breakdown of what writing takes, right? And how you get in your head. And like just the process of doing it every single day. I, I mentioned Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way last episode. That's a big one for me as well. I think, you know, my favorite in this genre is Stephen King's On Writing because he's such a prolific producer of stuff. Uh, I loved Walter Isaacson's biography on Leonardo da Vinci also. And that really is a, an interesting study on an expert, a master, a tinkerer in a lot of ways he tinkered big time but at some point he stopped finishing his work right i think he he was looking for a lot of reasons and, and the biography does an amazing job of, of digging into 
why did he have so many things that he started and then he switched course on? And there might be, there's a case study in there of what not to do and a case study in there of what to do. And so if you are an artist and you are looking for, for ways to engage with that portion of you, I think some of that material is, is really valuable. Um, I, I love memoirs about writing, <laughs> you know, like, so look for those things in your space. If you're into music, if you're into comedy, you know, uh, Steve Martin, born standing up is a great one, but like go and seek the people that have done it and find out what they're saying about it. You know, if you look up to somebody in a space, see if there's a book about them. If it's a biography, if it's a memoir, that's a great way to connect because they're, they're giving away secrets there. When you take a look at their life and, and model what they're doing, the learning is huge. And so um, that would be my second piece of information there, right? Find what you're about, dig in on it by modeling yourself after the masters. You know, for me, that's, that's on writing, that's bird by bird, and that's the artist's way. Those, those have been really, really helpful in terms of how I produce content it uh, i wish i produced more of it and was more prolific but i think we all do to some degree now the the thing that i would say i connect to these things and again i i'm just giving you what i do but for me it has to be tied to some form of tracking i have to see what i've done at least in the beginning I have to see progress somehow, right? Growth is a basic human need. We don't always feel like we're growing, but we can see if we're growing, if I'm paying attention. And what we pay attention to grows even more. So if I'm really paying attention to that keystone habit and what I'm coming out with, what I'm actually doing in that space. So at first, there's a world where, you know, getting up in the morning is really hard. And so, tracking it might just be what time did I get up? Did I, you know, and, and again, we go back to James Clear's Atomic Habits, which I've spoken to so many times. He just says, never miss two days, right? Never miss two days. So if the goal is 5.30 wake up, for me, I try and not bite that, you know, take, eat that whole elephant at one time. So if I've been waking up at 7.30 and I want to get up at 5.30, I got to like get there slowly. Okay, 6.45, 6.30, 6.15, o'clock, and just keep slowly working my way there. If I miss a day in my tracking, like, okay, can't do that again tomorrow. And we want to have the grace to allow ourselves the opportunity to screw up. So if that happens, just don't miss again tomorrow. And that, that's been a really powerful tool for me to see what kind of progress I'm making, to see what sort of... Uh, impact this is having in my life and then as i take on new things right i take on one and then take on more i'm gonna track those as well i think physically this is really easy to do and it is it is a hack that has been transformational in my life i think there's a place where we can we can explore what that looks like in the creative space, but it is really tangible when we get to fitness. Um, running, walking, push-ups, sit-ups, yoga, whatever you do, just like 
score it. <laughs> I mean, give yourself a score. How did it go? Was it a five? Was it a six? Was it a seven? Was it a 10? You know, and like we then are just, it's just a quick reflection tool that allows us to see what kind of effort did I give? Did it show, did I, did it turn out the way that I want it to also, you know, there's, there's a place where it's non-judgmental. Just be really honest with yourself. Okay. I did 20 push-ups today and I wanted to do a hundred or I did 20 push-ups and my goal was 20 and they were really hard. I was out of breath. I was tired. I didn't want to do it. I, I cheated on some of them, whatever it is, like, just be honest with yourself. Cause then you get to see the progress that you make. When we have that honest reflection the next day, when it doesn't feel that bad, when we've put in the effort and it got better, it feels like progress, progress, not perfection through all of this. Some of the resources that have been just really valuable to me when learning about my body and fitness, um, Vern Gambetta's athletic development, um, like just foundational tools that you can get to. It's a lot for coaches. So like, I'm going to try and break this down into three sections. Also kind of the real nerdy coach driven stuff physically. I'm obviously got a bias towards that because it's been useful in my life, but some of you out there are also into, um, into that. So Vern Gambetta athletic development, really powerful. Uh, Cal Dietz triphasic training. I went and saw Cal Dietz, the University of Minnesota strength and conditioning coach. He has a website called uh, XL Athlete, I believe, or Athlete X, XL Athlete. Uh, but he's got a book called Triphasic Training. Reading that just helped me frame what it looks like to be a strength coach. And then how can I take some of those plans in my life? If you are a coach, I think there's a, a book called The Governing Dynamics of Coaching that is super helpful uh, to think about how the body needs to be prepared in order to develop the skills necessary. I think all three of those books actually help us do that. They, they help us think about what does the body need so that it can learn skills. That's, again, just how my brain works. And so when I think about performance for myself physically in terms of getting fit, I'm going to structure under a development model. I don't want to be just doing the same thing over and over and over again for the rest of my life. I want to be developing and progressing. And so those were, those were pretty good in terms of helping me frame and structure ideas. That's kind of the real high level nerdy things. If you're a female or you coach females, um, John Peter brought this up in our first conversation back in like episode 57 or something like that. He mentioned Stacy Sims's um, Roar, a great book. If you're dealing with more um, female uh, physiology, they're just different. Like they're just different. And we, we have to admit that if we train, um, female athletes, this like, just like smaller males, that's, it's just not going to be, um, productive in the way that it could be. So I would recommend that, you know, I was a, uh, girls track and field coach. I wish I had seen that earlier in my process because you just have to, you have to approach it a little bit differently. And then if you're dealing with younger boys, you have to approach that differently than you are if, if you're working with mature boys. And so, you know, if you're trying to think about how do I 
deal with my son or these younger athletes, break it down into what they need rather than what you think, you know, LeBron James is doing because he's 37, right? About to be 38. Like he's a full grown, fully mature man who's been doing this for a long, 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 long time has a set of patterns and routines that it's just not going to be easy to replicate. And if we ask our young people to do that, it's, it's kind of insanity. So those are, those are some of those, those higher level ones. Some of the more like, uh, I guess I would say mainstream things that are supposed to be digestible. Um, you know, just understanding how the body works, uh, peak performance by Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus, uh, endurance, which is a, a book by Alex Hutchinson, who we've had on this podcast, a New York times bestseller, really, really powerful. My favorite book is kind of written like a novel and a sports book. My favorite book about physical movement is just this book called born to run by Christopher McDougall. And I think everybody should read it. It will make you want to get off your couch and go run. Um, I'm a golfer, so I would be remiss to not talk about Ben Hogan's five lessons, right? The fundamentals of, of a golf swing and that sort of movement pattern. So those are some, some more digestible ones that are going to help you. And then I think there is a, a world where we need to talk about just the way the body works. I love Anna Lemke's dopamine nation and, um, Amy Cuddy's presence. I did talk about Kelly McGonigal's The Upside of Stress. So each one of these has a little bit different bent. Dopamine Nation is looking at how the body deals with the reward system and how doing different things for the body, whether it be addiction or physical fitness or, um, you know, like addictive behavior, addictive personality, but also drug addiction and substance abuse, how each one of these things triggers different responses from our from our hormonal system. I think if you're interested in the effect phones have or the effect addiction has, I'm, I'm really interested in addiction and addictive behaviors and how we change them. Um, a lot of the studies that look towards behavior change work with addictive personalities and, and populations that have dealt with addiction because they're willing to make change. I think they're, they're like at some point they realize that there's a problem. And so they they're willing to volunteer for some of these behavioral studies. Um, really good stuff. She does podcasts with Rich Roll. Rich Roll is a podcast I did not mention last time. If you aren't listening and you're interested in the stuff I'm doing, I think he's really, really good. She does. She's a, a Stanford uh, MD, I think, or uh, she's got her doctorate in psychology, I, I believe. And so she has a podcast with Andrew Huberman, who's also at Stanford. Um, I I really enjoy both Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg on Twitter, right? I've mentioned them a lot, peak performance. Okay, sorry. Amy Cuddy, presence. She talks about how body language communicates to our brain and our brain communicates to our body through our body language and just being present and how that changes the way that our body works. If you have an athlete, if yourself, you deal with confidence issues or you deal with poor body language or you have outcomes because someone's body language is language influences other people in your community, your organization, your team. I think that's a powerful book to use to help guide some ideas to give these people different behaviors, different actions that they can put in instead of the things that are causing challenges or challenging behavior. 
in your community. Um, and then lastly, the upside of stress is just looking at how stress can be a positive, especially if we reframe it, right? Having a positive mindset around stress. And then that actually changes our physical response to these things. So kind of those three structures have been how I look at learning about the body, that really in-depth physical training model for a coach, the the popular literature that allows us to digest it a little bit differently. And then what's actually going on inside the body as far as how our mental, emotional triggers contribute to, and those hormonal changes contribute to our, to our overall outcomes on the field or in performance. I know that the last couple and these episodes have been filled with information and probably too much, right? But I would challenge us. Don't try and do it all. That's been the whole bent of this series is don't try and do everything here. Pick one that lands with you. Pick one in an area, right? If, you, if today you heard fitness, you're like, I really want to work on fitness. Grab one of those books. Think about how it works and implement some of this stuff into your process. One of these things into your process, right? Once I get up in the morning, the first thing I really try to do is some sort of physical fitness body health thing. And it's almost always focused on one part of my body. Recently, it's been my hips and my low back, right? So I'm doing press-ups. I'm doing bird dogs. I'm doing some sort of hip rotation. One thing. Then if you heard, you know, if you heard art, grab a biography of one of your favorites, grab a memoir of somebody that's doing the work that you're doing, follow them on Twitter or Instagram. So you can get consistent input about the model that they've created for you. So that will work in your life. If you heard hands, go ask somebody, I guarantee you, you know, someone that is good at carpentry, that is good at woodworking, that is good at small engines, that's good at metalwork. I worked with someone who did chainsaw art. Talk about that overlap, right? It's so cool to watch and kind of mind-blowing. It's mesmerizing. But we all know someone who has tremendous skill in an area. Go ask if you can learn from them. If you just get a day or two or four to hang out with them while they're doing this thing, compliment them. Let them know, I really love what you do, and I think it's amazing. Can I get some time to learn? Right? Not everybody's going to say yes, but someone will. And they're going to invite you in, and it's going to be restorative, generative, whatever you might need at that time. Our hands, our head, and our heart are connected. We have to identify that. The more we can do to produce outcomes for each one of those areas, the healthier our outputs become, period. Why? Because we're connecting to those keystone habits that help us rewire, right? They you know, the neurons that fire together, wire together sort of thing. And so when you connect other behaviors to that keystone habit, but that habit has to be established and baseline first. Some of these keystone habits are not healthy. Do you have one? Do you have an unhealthy habit that you keep coming back to? It might be scrolling through your phone. It might be a substance. It might be something else. We don't know. Can we hear that cue? 
Can we hear the call to that unhealthy habit and replace it with something positive? Maybe it's something you need to do with your hands. Maybe you need to get out and move your body. If that's the thing, grab onto one of these resources, learn something about it, and then go take some action because that's what we are called to do. Thank you all so much for joining me, for continuing to support this process. I hope you're getting something from it. I hope it doesn't feel overwhelming. And if it does, zoom in. Zoom in on one of them. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, but most of all, share. Share this to anybody you think might get some value in it. Share it with an athlete that's struggling to find his way. Share it with anybody you think can grow because of the stuff that I've shared here today. Grow every single day. Get better. Find your best. And as always, live eyes up. 